Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Shot of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and today is a special episode. We're doing a live stream podcast today. It's already been recorded. We recorded this on February 19th. This is from Lindsay Dunn. She is the admin and moderator over at the Darkways 1899 Dark and Beyond Facebook group. Um, I'll provide a link for that if you'd like to join it. Uh, She did a live stream there and allowed me to come and join it. And we watched Baron Bo Odar's 2010 film, The Silence. And we did a deep dive discussion of that, did a lot of research, and it's just a fun episode. Uh, We did edit it a little bit. Um, so you're going to hear some editing here, but for the most part, this is the full conversation that we had, the full live stream. And if you want to watch this episode, you can do that on Lindsay's YouTube channel at one of my stories. And she's got the whole thing there. I'm going to provide you a link for that too. Don't you worry. We're on a bi-weekly schedule now. So, um, after this episode and two more weeks, you're going to be here in episode 100, a very special one coming up. So until then, enjoy this episode of The Silence with myself and Lindsay Dunn. Steve and I are huge fans of the, show, the TV show Dark in 1899, mm-hmm. and we have recapped Well, we met because we were separately recapping the 1899 series. Um, I slid into Steve's DMs and because Mm. I was listening to his podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I said I gave him some of my thoughts about a particular episode and a partnership was was formed and we recapped Dark and we are now we are now in the Bo and Yantia fandom. Bo Baron Bo Odar and Yantia Freeze, they are German, a German duo that make these TV shows. And before they made these TV shows, they made some movies. And so we wanted to talk about one of those movies because we're waiting for their next series to come out. <laughs> been waiting for a year. Exactly a year. It's been since February of 2023. Yeah. The rumors were that this that the next originally the rumors were that the next series was going to be called Till T Y L L. It was a based on a book, I think, about a jester, a court jester. Uh, we don't know much about the plot of that. Then the then they they kind of changed direction and said, no, our next series is going to be called Something Is Killing the Children. Mm-hmm. And so, but there's no progress on that project. We don't know when it's coming out, when it might be coming out. Hey, my buddy Gerald <laughs> stopped in to say hello. Thank you. That means a lot, Gerald, because Gerald's going to be getting ready for his own stream tonight of the Golden Peas, uh, you know, his his movie award podcast. So very nice. I don't know if I can, I don't know what I'm doing here, but can I give, <laughs> I can, I can actually highlight Gerald's comment, I think, on the screen. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I did or not, but I hope you have good luck with your Facebook um, live stream experience, Gerald. It can sometimes <laughs> be daunting. I hope yours goes smoothly. And um... oh, he's a, he's an old hat. He's been he's been oh, okay, doing it for okay. a while. So Alrighty. I was actually well. uh, I was actually in his DMs today trying to ask him how do you use this stream. <laughs> Thing. Well, thank you for checking oh. in on her. That's great. Yes. 
Um, so we're waiting for this, for their next series to come out. So we thought we would go back and look at the past, how they developed as artists. And so we want to see like their roots and where they came from. And then we also wanted to grow our community, our dark ways community. I helped moderate a Facebook and Steve was recently promoted to admin as well. So it was an act of necessity is what it was. <laughs> I, I seem to warm my way into a lot of places just with my charm. It happens. <laughs> and so, uh, so those to me are the three reasons we're doing this. We're waiting for the next series. We want to go back. We want to fully appreciate them as artists and how they've developed and kind of see like where their roots are. And then we want to grow our community and begin to interact with those people more. Can you think of any mm -hmm. other reasons you're doing this, Steve, that I didn't say? Mm -hmm. Well, Lindsay asked me. So I said, yes, I'm glad to, because I like doing stuff like this. Um, I like to check out anybody I'm into's earliest work, like any kind of artist that I like. Usually their earliest work is like their most subversive, their most interesting. Um, not always, but in a lot of cases of um, some directors, I'm thinking of like in particular, like Richard Linkletter and like Wes Anderson. Like I loved their like first couple of films they put out and I kind of got the um, just that, you know, these, these first couple of films they put out are the films that they've kind of like carried with them for a long time. And then we're finally able to get them out. And then, you know, they're challenged to write new stuff and they, both of them have excelled, but like, I wanted to see what Bo and Yante's, that's how I always say their name It's probably wrong, but <laughs> I wanted to see the dark ways early days to see, you know, how that compares because, you know, those two directors, Wes Anderson, like his first movie was bottle rocket. Um, Arguably his best movie, my favorite movie. Um, no, I take it back, Rushmore, which is his second movie. But Bottle Rocket was a fantastic movie, and I like all of his movies, but like Bottle Rocket just holds that special place. So I was kind of hoping that I would like, you know, this movie would be like, oh my god, it's like the <laughs> it's the Bottle Rocket I never knew existed. Um, <laughs> that didn't happen, but you know, I'm glad that <laughs> we were able to watch it and um see their earlier work. And you can definitely see like Dark Ways, and you can see um Baron in this work for sure. Mm -hmm. And Yantia was the producer. Now, yes. on Dark in 1899, she was the writer. but So she had a little bit of a more removed role, but she was the producer. So she was mm -hmm. involved with this somehow. Uh, so the next thing I want to do is talk about a, just do a brief summary of the movie because some people may not have watched it or even if they have, it's just a little reminder. I'm not going to do a full summary, but just the basics of the story. So July 1986, Pia, an 11-year-old schoolgirl, is raped and murdered in a wheat field near a small provincial German town by one man while another man watches silently from the passenger seat of his red car. The murderer packs Pia's body into the trunk of the car and leaves her bicycle behind. In 2009, exactly 23 years later, 13-year-old Seneca Wagum goes missing from the local fair. Her bicycle is discovered in the same spot where Pia's bike had been found. Senior detective Christian Mittich, who investigated the original murder, has just retired. The new murder 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 investigation is undertaken by David Yan, a detective who is still emotionally overwhelmed by the death of his wife five months earlier. Mittich takes an interest in the new case, but he is blocked from participating by the new senior detective, Matthias Grimmer, who insists on doing things his way, even when he is wrong. We know guys like that. <laughs> so 
the movie covers from there the movie goes through the investigation of this new girl Seneca and we have this old detective that is no longer in the case but he's retired and he's mm -hmm. involved because he's convinced pretty much from the beginning that the same murderer is responsible for both of these things even though they haven't found a body yet but he he believes there's a connection because of all the elements there's a wheat field there's yep. a bicycle yep. young girl and it's exactly 23 years later so he's convinced pretty early on that they're connected then we have the young detective who's coming in and he's his head is he's not doing well because of, of this, sure. his the loss of his relationship with his wife i believe yeah she died so he's still kind of mourning that he's, he's maybe clearly still mourning yeah you can yeah. see all kinds of signs of it every scene <laughs> yeah um let's see who are some of the other key characters we have the parents Parents of Seneca. Sure. I have them all written down somewhere here. I remember Yana. Um, Yana, Yana, who yes. was like his pregnant partner. Um, I've like I'll bring this up now. I was gonna bring it up into the, the um, partner that the partner of David Yan, the, the the young detective. Yeah, go ahead. She's a police detective, and um, you know this movie was filmed in 2010. It was actually released in 2013 for whatever reason. But Fargo had already been on you know the horizon at that time. So some people um wrongly thought that this was like a nod to Fargo, like having like a pregnant police officer just like in the in the movie Fargo um, as the case was this actress really was pregnant and when she auditioned for the role she wasn't showing when she got the role she told um, Baron that she was pregnant and they decided to write that into the script um, so by the time they filmed she was showing and they decided to use that as part of the script which I thought was a neat side note for her um, talking about interesting characters because she was she was a funny character like she wasn't there really wasn't like a lot of comic relief here but she was kind of like a kind of light airy person mm -hmm. that you know you kind of grab it i kind of gravitated towards i guess mm -hmm. um so we have the, we have the pregnant partner we have the parents of seneca which is where i started what were their oh, names right carl and ruth wingham right and they are hoping that their daughter is just missing and not right. dead yes <laughs> and of course the um you know the mother is played by our very own charlotte from dark <laughs> oh, that mother. Yes. I thought, I thought you meant Pia's mother, but yes, that's right. What is her real name? Caroline something or another? Icorn. I think it's Caroline Icorn. There you go. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see her play a different role than than the Charlotte role. Um, we can we can get into more about that later, but as mm -hmm. we're just gonna cover briefly the characters here. Oh, right. Um, I spilled my guts talking about the pregnant person. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to have you're going to have a nice spot here. So we we also had um, the two men who were mentioned at the beginning. These two uh, men. Yeah, the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> the, dudes. the boys. <laughs> and one of them is named Timo. And he's the uh, the voyeur, the one who's just watching and doesn't yes. participate. But he's in the car. He's in the passenger seat of the car. When the original rape happened in 1986. And what's the other dude's name? Pierre. Pierre Summer. Pierre Summer. I got the <laughs> impression, like I didn't get the impression, like I read somewhere that Timu, they considered him a passive, a passive participant instead of an active participant. So he was a participant in it, but he didn't really do anything. Didn't do anything to stop it either. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not team Timu. <laughs> I want to make that clear right now. He's like the worst. <laughs> 
Well, he's one of the worst. There's two guys that are the worst in this movie, and I think uh, we just talked about them. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, we'll have to we'll have to get into that more later. Okay, and then um, we have the um, the you Marty kind of mentioned that there's the mother of Pia. Alana. That what is her name? Alana. Elana. Elana. Okay. <laughs> and she has she has an interesting evolution. I mean, if I was, one thing that was kind yeah. of odd about her, Steve, is I when when I first saw her on the screen, she's jogging and I'm like is she jogging in blue jeans I don't understand but I think she was just wearing blue blue jean colored track pants or something but I thought this so. Germany's weird mm-hmm. <laughs> um but she's yeah she's got a her trajectory in this is is very interesting you know she has obviously her daughter has has died 23 years ago and then here's this case being brought up and people want to talk to her because of the the possible connections Mm -hmm. but if you kind of if your child was killed in 23 years you might prefer to kind of leave that past behind and not have that drug up again but that she's not allowed. She's not given that option, really, because people keep showing up at her house to talk to her about it. She kind of plays an interesting role, too, because um, she's she has kind of like an on again, off again, like affair, like with the officer that was studying her case. Um, so that's like a very interesting tidbit that's like thrown in there. That's, um, you know, it's a fun Baron Bo Odar <laughs> type <laughs> little like yes. bomb to throw in there. Yes, definitely. Um, so were there any other characters that those are the main ones that I wrote down? I mean, there's all the children, but I didn't write down Mm -hmm. the children's name except for Pia and um Seneca. Is that her name? Seneca, something like that. Seneca. That's a cool name, by the way. That's that's the first time I'm hearing that name, and I like it. Yeah. Turn back time and name Charlotte Seneca. Well, all the names are are very I don't know. All the names are very German and interesting. Even David Jan, Christian Mittich, <laughs> uh, Seneca, Pia. They always have. They always have. And Matthias Grimmer. You know? Oh, yeah. Matthias <laughs> like... is a pretty good, badass name. Yeah. Sorry for cursing. But yeah, that's a cool name. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about history. We're going to go. We're going to do some history now. And I, I gave this task to Steve for him to look at mm-hmm. the production of this movie and also just what was Bo and Yancha's career like careers mm-hmm. before the movie even because they did a couple shorts like how did this mm-hmm. what happened before we we met them as part of dark well, well up until this movie yes go ahead <laughs> okay um Baron Bo was born a small child in 19 19- <laughs> I'm just kidding wow <laughs> 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 um, I wanted to ask before I went into this, do we still have, I can't tell, do we have anybody watching or anybody with us here in chat? There's one viewer, uh, you know, viewer, if you want to tell us, you know, where you're, where you're watching from, it could still be Gerald, loyal Gerald hanging in with us, or it could be a, a brand new person, but <laughs> well, yeah, whoever us, it is, uh, whoever it is, this is for you. Okay. For you viewer. I did this research. <laughs> um, me? no, I for the know. viewers, just for the viewers. <laughs> <laughs> you should already know you probably already know all this stuff I'm about to say, but I'll say it anyway. Um, so Baron Bo Odar's first film was actually his final project from film school. It was called Under the Sun or the German title Unter den Sun, 
which kind of sounds the same. That was 2006. And so that's when he graduated from the University of Television and Film of Munich. So this was his final project. Um, is about a coming-of-age story about a 12-year-old boy infatuated with his older niece. Very dark ways, um, right from the get-go. Good job, Baron. Um, this film, Under the Sun, hour-long film, uh, was screened at the Monterey Film Festival and Utah's Slam Dance in 2007. And like I said, this was his final project to graduate. Uh, he was awarded the Studio Hamburg Newcomer Award and the Unique Feature Film Award. He was also nominated, but did not win the Max Ophelis Prize. So from winning these awards, I don't know, I tried to look into, I read a bunch of interviews and I tried to figure out exactly um, how this was funded. All I could find out was how much the movie cost. It was a 2 million euro budget, which is, you know, even with America, $2 million budget. Um, he said that this project was his dream project to do a finely produced actual movie, which was shot in 2010, released in 2013. Um, Baron wrote and directed this. Uh, he called the movie Das Last Schweigen, which means the last silence. This is an adaption of a crime novel book that's just called Das Schweigen, The Silence, by John Costin Wagner. But Baron was like, um, there's already a movie from 1964 called The Silence, so I don't want to get that movie confused with mine. So I'm going to make my movie stand out by calling it The Last Silence. Hmm. But the joke's on him. <laughs> because we America did not fall for it. And the American title translated to The Silence. And there's like five films called The Silence. So nice try, Baron. But us Americans didn't stand for that. Um, I thought that was so weird when I read that. And I bet he was so bummed out that happened. I'm sure he was. <laughs> um, so yeah, he filmed this film, as we're about to say, The Last Silence, deliberately in the hot summer because the book took place in the wintertime. Uh, he wanted his actors to be sweaty and uncomfortable. So hmm. that's why he chose to film it in the summertime. Uh, he and his, um, what do you call him, ADs, assistant director, uh, had like a movie marathon and watched a bunch of Western movies before they filmed this because they wanted to give it the look of like a Western of, or the vibe of a Western. And he cited a specific Korean film in multiple interviews um, where he said this Korean film called The Memories of Murder is like the film that he most influenced him to make this film. So that's, you know, a uh, you know little bit of his history. So he filmed it in um, rural Germany because he didn't want any local color, either Southern or Northern Germany to like have any part of this film. He wanted this film to be like a standalone, like a Western. He didn't want it to be contemporary. So that's why he filmed it in Brandenburg, Thuringia, and Bavaria. I've never heard of two of those places. I hope I said them right. But that's why he shot in these places. We already talked about Jana. She was, I'll tell Harry Martin here, since you're just tuning in. Um, the... <laughs> Actress who played Jana, the pregnant police officer, um, she actually was pregnant for this role. Um, she was six months pregnant during most of this shoot. Um, so it's not just a nod to Fargo. It's real life here. And the actor who played Kristen Midich, the older dude um, that was having an affair with um, Pia's mom, you know, the older cop. We know who he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, a majority or all of his storyline was cut from the theatrical release. So if you went and saw this in theaters back in 2013, you didn't see any of that stuff with him. Um, so he they wrote him out of the plot. I don't know why, maybe time, but I bet he was bummed out about that. Mm -hmm. Were you getting ready to say something, Lindsay? No, I wasn't. I was just... 
I was wondering why he got written out of the show. He got canceled. I don't know. Yeah, he might be canceled. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, Yante was production manager of this movie. It's true. Um, she had previously worked as a producer for a production company called Made in Munich Film. She also graduated from the University of Television and Film Munich. Um, it's my head canon that that's where they met. Meet cute in college, you know, in front of the dorms. I don't know. Um, but after this film, they really started working together because the next film they did was Who Am I? And um, Yante was the screenwriter of that movie. So he gave her some credits then. I'm going to wrap this go up. We're not going past this movie. No. So <laughs> <laughs> this, I wanted to quote a couple of quotes from these interviews that I read. These are some, this is okay. some interesting stuff. And then I'll be done. Um, sorry, Harry. I'm taking a long time. Harrison. Har it's my oh, buddy Harrison. Harrison. I'm sorry. But yeah. Yes, I wanted to say hi to him. Well, it says Harry J. Martin right there. I shouldn't say his whole name. I'm outing. I just doxed him. Uh, <laughs> so this is what um, Barron said. He said, the 80s are my childhood. I associated with an insanely positive attitude to life. Economically, everything was great. Everyone is doing well, but behind the facade, not quite so much. In general... I love contrasts and extreme gradients. You see a cornfield in the summer evening sun, but a heinous crime is taking place. Or I start a scene with a laugh that ends horribly, such as an overweight naked man going for a swim, but then he discovers a corpse. I'm a symmetry fanatic, and my, let's see, a great role model of mine is Stanley Kubrick, who puts everything in the middle. So does Wes Anderson. Remember I was talking about him. Harrison doesn't remember because he wasn't here then. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want to say <laughs> is... Um, he says he didn't want to go into military, he being barren, didn't want to go into military service. Like many Germans, I avoided war so I wouldn't get into that kind of extreme situation. Instead, I decided to work in a clinic that treated epileptics. I ended up seeing a lot of people dying in front of me instead, which is just as traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, that's my research I did for you, Lindsay. Um, I'll take questions from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. So that's it's interesting that they, you know, filmed this in the hot sun. Mm -hmm. I didn't really notice. I guess I didn't notice a lot of sweating on camera. I mean, I, mean, I know that uh, the woman in, running in her blue jeans seemed hot, that's, you know, but. I was thinking that exact thing when you said that. I was like, that sounds very impractical, especially <laughs> knowing that it was summertime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know David Johns is always like unbuttoning his shirt and like looking all cool and stuff, though. Yeah. Yeah. And he's un very unruly all the time. His hair's always messed up. But I assume that was a product of his morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, that's. that's those, those quotes are interesting too because yeah mm -hmm. i i just sometimes wonder about i i worry about baron but i worry <laughs> about his state of being like why does he want to i mean yes we all i mean i like horror i'm drawn to bleak things we we both you know have that in common but the, this um you know i'm gonna wait hold my thoughts about the content of this movie till till we get to that section but it was it was a difficult a difficult watch i think yeah, absolutely okay so over all thoughts about the movie itself without going too deep um yeah what was you know put aside the fact that this is by directors we love yeah <laughs> um you know yeah. by creatives that we love what are your thoughts about this movie and yeah right so i did watch this you know for this particular event mm -hmm. and um i made my wife heather watch it with me too as i usually do i didn't make her but you know i was like we're gonna watch this movie and mm -hmm. she was down with it for about 30 or 40 five minutes um <laughs> I couldn't disagree with her. 
when she was like, this movie is um kind of boring. There's nothing catching me. There's nothing. There's no hook. I'm not seeing anything that's com- that's like drawing me in. The intro was bleak. Um, these are some things that that I agreed with her about. And I do think that on first watch, um, like you, like I got to the end of the movie. Like I said, I'm watching it for the purpose of checking mm-hmm. out you know, Baron and for this stream. And because of this stream, I wanted to watch it again. And I got to say that the, the second viewing, it was very enjoyable. I liked it a lot more, but I don't think that really fares well. Um, if, if you're not compelled to watch it a second time, because I, I would not have watched it a second time if it wasn't for this stream. So I might have walked away saying that movie was kind of boring. I saw a couple things that were kind of darkish in it, but, you know, it didn't really grab me. Um, I mean, just being totally honest, um, I think there were things about it that are great that I'm going to talk about. But just like my general overall uh, enjoyment experience, like watching it the first time through, um, it was just mediocre. It wasn't bad by any means. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Just not compelling. So did yeah. you? Did you have any of those thoughts too, or was I alone there? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I I resonate with some of what you're saying. I felt in some ways, I felt like this is, is more uncomfortable for me to watch this movie than it is to watch dark even though there were very dark, um, there's very dark parts to that, but they're balanced out. You know, we're going to talk about comparisons later on. So again, I'll save some of some of that meat for later, but it was a, it was not just dark. Harry mentioned Harrison. Sorry, how am I saying Harry now? Um, um, He, you know, yes, it is dark, but there, most of their material is dark, but this was, it was almost unrelenting in, in the, attention it gave certain elements of the plot and certain characters that i that aren't present in dark for all of its all of its bleakness there's no truly evil characters in dark they're all hurting people that are very misguided and misled yeah sure I agree <laughs> um, with that. maybe more like this david yon character you know mm-hmm. he's uh he's he's flawed but he's not uh, a bad person he's just a little all over the place and people are like i don't know if i want this guy in my kid's case <laughs> right <laughs> sure um, but yes, it wasn't overall, it wasn't as entertaining as it could have been. You can tell that they, that this was early in their development as artists. Mm-hmm. And yet there are seeds of greatness in there. And there and are. so, yes. you know, we're, one of our topics is going to be about the filmmaking techniques that were used and were there any that maybe even weren't used in dark, but they were used here. And I have some things to say there that I noticed that were, were done well. And so there were these glimpses of of genius already and we see we can see like the the way that those grew and and became better in their in their work but it was still it was still compelling enough i've seen worse i've seen a lot worse movies (laughs) yes (laughs) that are laughably laughably bad this was at least you know it was almost like an episode of you know svu of law and order svu except more time spent from the criminal's perspective Mm -hmm. um so uh i love law and order svu so uh (laughs) was it was it like is it a movie that i would rate very highly probably not but it was still i was glad i watched it yeah sure i am too i think there's like three particular well we'll talk about favorite characters later i'm not going to talk about my favorite characters right now but that helped the experience like finding like some characters that you enjoy so like if i was watching a scene that i wasn't particularly enjoying a timu scene or something then i would know that oh hey you know 
um, um, what's his name's back? David's back. Yay. You know, because I kind of like David. I like, oh, oh, I can't say anybody I like. Spoilers for later. <laughs> well, we're going, we're, that's our next, that's our next place we're going to go, Steve. So let's just go in there. Uh, well, actually, there isn't a question. Who are your, I don't know if we have a question here, who are your favorite characters? I asked, well, I asked which characters you find the most compelling. But yes. before we yes. talk about that, I want to, I want to know who you think is the main character of this movie. Is there a main character or is it mm. uh, what they call an ensemble cast where everybody's kind of sharing equally in the in right. we're not going to talk about madam web on here harrison just it's not going to happen stop trying to make madam web happen um, <laughs> I, what is that i, I don't even a, i don't even a, want to know um I'm gonna, okay i'm going to talk about the main character um yes. I have two opinions. Um, my my Steve um, have fun. Let's make this movie fun. Opinion is David is the main character, the cop, mm -hmm. the um, the tall, dark, the tall, dark, handsome cop. Um, in my mind, he was the main character. Um, but in actuality, I gotta I gotta say I believe that Timu is the main character and the main like focus um i have a specific reason for that which i think is tied in with what we're going to be talking about later mm -hmm. so i'll just There's i'll save that I, I know i'm like i love to drop these like billboard these little what am i going to say later it's going to be so crazy well, <laughs> but i have a specific order of my notes and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I mean, before before you before you uh, get too far, much further with discussion, I say every time you say Timu, I think of the the shopping, the cheap shopping place. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. Let's let's try for Timo. <laughs> Timo. <laughs> we're not well, shopping. Um you were nodding your head a lot when I said Timu is the main character. So what what are you think? Who are you thinking is the uh No, Harrison says he agrees that it's about Timo. But I, okay. I'm like I'm, I'm surprised if Harrison's watched this movie. Maybe he's just reading a Wikipedia summary. <laughs> he just likes me. But, he wants to agree yeah. with me. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. So he was on the he was on the camera the the most of the show. It's in his perspective, and you can the cop. You know, David Yon. He's a, he's an interesting character. I almost thought, well, this is meant to be an ensemble cast, you know, where because mm -hmm. there's so many characters that have a little bit of time. Nobody's mm -hmm. really on there, not often, not even Timo, because it right. leaves his perspective so often. And I think the reason for that is maybe, maybe Baron knows, oh, you'll be a step too far to make this really this guy, the main character, who's sort of also a <laughs> a main villain. Um so, but I, I think he's the one who we spend the most time kind of watching him uh, go through stuff. David Yon, to an extent, a little bit. There's that weird scene where he tries to touch the his pregnant partner's belly for while she's sleeping. That's just, you know, that's a weird, a weird part that I don't know. We, we, we may or may not talk about that, but what that was all about. You just did. Well, I mean, we're not going to detail it, but yes. yeah. So I think I, for me, he is, he is the main character, Timo. Um, but, but yeah, but I don't, but see, like my issue is I don't agree that he's terrible. Um, okay. Yeah. He's, 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 we empathize with him and I have mixed feelings about that. So you are team Timu. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like team David, you're team Timu. I, I see how this is, but no, I, I, I guess I can see what you're saying. Like he's a, like you said, he's a passive participant. I don't mm -hmm. think that exonerates him one bit. No, it does not exonerate him, but it, I feel like, um, 
Well, you know, this is a spoiler full discussion, everybody. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about stuff. We're gonna talk. This is this was this event is technically for our Facebook group, who may, may or may not any of them be here. Maybe they'll watch it later. But um, but we want ask them to re- to watch the movie before they they got onto the live stream. Um, but uh, what was I? I'm like losing my losing my. Well, we're talking about Timu and like how you know we don't we don't want to exonerate him and say he's okay you were you were kind of defending him a little bit this is where this started yes saying he yes, wasn't that I don't terrible remember. well he um well i what i was gonna say is it almost you might use the word grooming to describe his what his relationship with here hmm. Pierre approaches him on the bench at the park uh, it's not the very you know the very first scene is when we see just the two of them in the car they go out in the wheat field and Pierre. Uh, attacks this girl on the bicycle then later we see a flashback of them Pierre is now it's 23 years later he's now become a family man he's got a wife he's got two kids and he's um so he's moved beyond this this situation uh but they show this flashback of him being at this apartment building and he's sitting down at the kids what he's watching them play and right. Pierre sees him and kind of says oh i recognize something in that i guess that facial mm-hmm. expression or the way and so then he invites him yeah. to watch movies in his apartment right and that led to the to the scene of the the girl on the bicycle and pia getting attacked so um it's almost like pia is grooming trying to Absolutely. groom timo to be like him did you catch the did you um catch the significance of the movie that they were watching that they kept going back to with like the um the long hair brown haired girl did you catch the significance of that if you haven't, just, I'll tell you now. <laughs> yeah, tell me now. Tell me now. First off, I wanted to say that that was like the worst movie meet cute in history when peer when peer and <laughs> timu meet like while they're watching little kids in bathing suits like they shouldn't unless you have a kid yourself that's off limits you don't sit there and watch kids playing in their bathing suit unless you have a child yourself or you're watching one of them it's incredibly creepy guys but yeah they go up to the apartment and the dvd that he shows him is of a girl that he had um that he peer had kidnapped and molested on film and then killed on film so like they were watching that act happen and they refer to it like in this movie they talk about this other girl that disappeared um like in 1982 or 1983 or something like that and that's the girl in the film that they're watching so timu knew what he was getting into he knew that pierre would do this kind of thing so like him Mm -hmm. when we see that first scene and we're like initially thinking like why isn't that guy doing anything why is what is happening here why is he just sitting there well we know now why like pierre brought him along as like a passive observer to watch him at work or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah that girl the brown haired girl was like they were t- they, they the police kept referring to a another missing girl case and that was the one they kept they kept talking about i think her name was eva or something like that or eve maybe okay i must have totally missed that one um let's say uh fond farewell to harrison who's leaving and said we're doing great so thank you harrison thank you harrison our <laughs> audience is leaving us by. now <laughs> We still have two people. All right. Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah. Oh, well, I did. I thank you for explaining that because that, that went over my head. I just assumed these were, um, just porn movies that he was, he was showing him randomly. Um, I didn't realize this was a a girl. So he was kind of, yeah, he's, but he's kind of like, okay, so far you've, watch kids on the play, swing set and that's all um, <laughs> let me show you these movies the next step is we're gonna you you can watch while i do this to mm-hmm. to this girl um and maybe the next step would be okay well now we're gonna do this together or we'll be partners sure yeah uh, that's never happened so, yeah yeah okay which <laughs> so, does not yeah. exonerate him yes it does not exonerate <laughs> him but yet you wonder i guess the thing is you wonder if um if uh what's his face with peer had not come along mm would this have, mm. would this where would Timo be like yes later on we see he still has porn on his computer but mm-hmm. sure sure was that there before he interacted with peer or he was, was that... looking at kids i think that's a big indicator is that he's interested yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like if you like you know you're kind of like like me you're a little teenage kid not now but when i was a teenage kid and i wanted to get into punk rock the first thing you do is like you show up at the club and like oh what am i doing here <laughs> um that's pretty much what timu was doing i guess like getting you know that was his thing was to watch i don't know <laughs> but you're right he grew grew up to become like a parent and like i think the first time we meet him he's like being like a great dad you know having fun with his kid and then like as soon as like he remembers everything and he sees the story that's all over it's like he's immediately back um so there were about 10 to 15 years here where you know timu he was looking at stuff on his computer we gotta we gotta be honest (laughs) yeah yes i'm not yes i'm not exonerating him but oh no you're not yeah i would i'm just trying to yeah i'm just trying to my point i was leading to was like oh he's been a good guy for a while now because he's got a family that's not really true Mm -hmm. steve i'm lying to myself but they did keep making a thing out of the camera would often in different times in the movie cut to his son you know like obviously he really loved his son so mm-hmm. anytime he would even think about doing that he he might look at his son or think about his son and go like sure. okay like no i can't do this because you know this is not what decent people do and his son maybe became an anchor to him and he had and he had not just like a great wife but she was a really fun wife i mean she's jumping yeah. in the swimming pool in her dress <laughs> yep. playing with the kids had no um you know she wasn't like this uptight wife wife who's um you know never showing affection you can tell she's probably a very fun affectionate wife yeah. so um you know the the story does mention that they you know when he moved away he they pretty much got married right away so uh, oh ma- yeah. yeah he did a alexander tiedemann on her yeah. like he moved <laughs> in from town changed his name to her name which is also mm-hmm. i've saw is like is that a theme oh, like with yeah. baron Bo likes to like have men take the wives names yes. that's, that's a very progressive <laughs> dude i guess but yeah I noticed that immediately too. It made me think about Alexander Tiedemann. So, okay, we've talked about the main characters and we spent a lot of time going through Timo's uh, whether and how bad he really is. So which characters did you, besides these main characters, were there any mm-hmm. other characters you found really compelling the way they were portrayed? Yeah, I get to go first. Yay. Um, <laughs> um, I, I liked David a lot. I thought he was an interesting character and I kind of gravitated towards him. Um, visually, he reminded me of like an old friend of mine like a guy chris he looked exact i mean it was like identical like the faces are exactly the profile everything so i gravitated towards him for that reason and his partner Jana. i didn't catch the actress's name but the character's name was Jana glazer who was pregnant and she was always really funny and they used like the pregnancy as kind of like a joke like he bails on her at one point 
like and leaves her and is like, get a bus, you know, take the bus, woman. And <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought she was really cool and like she really uh I don't know. I was really holding my breath a lot towards the end. Uh do I want to talk about that scene now? Can I talk about that scene now with Jana? Can I do that? Am I allowed to sure unlimited here and uh on StreamYard? <laughs> um <laughs> I thought that was a really interesting, like, because you remember I said that the pregnant cop could represent the Fargo cop. The silence, this reminded me of Silence of the Lamb, where you have, like, all the cops are out there, like, they're, we got the guy, we got the guy, it's Timu. And then the one lone woman police officer just on some random search just like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lamb shows up at the actual killer's house and like is in actual direct danger while she's talking to the actual killer. And she's completely unknown. Well, of course, in Silence of the Lambs, it ends differently. But here, you know, she walks out the door and she scratches it. Uh, she eventually scratches his name off the list, even though she thought he was sus. But I thought that was a, a neat like, um, I don't know, Silence of the Lambs um, parallel that I wonder if it was deliberate or not. So mm -hmm. I liked her. And then I also liked Pia's mom, who was like the, um, the short haired woman, mm -hmm. the jogger in the jeans, anybody who jogs in jeans, I know is like a free spirit. So I like, <laughs> I, I thought she was a fun character too. Like she was kind of wise and kind of said cool stuff to, to Middick. Is that his name? Sometimes she would say like interesting things to him. I can't remember any of her lines, but mm -hmm. she was just a real direct person that I kind of liked too. So who yeah, people? yeah, this, that was the, the, the mother, Pia's mother. I, I hate to okay what is her name you have it on your sheet I do um Alana Alana yeah for me she was uh you know she was a you know you could see in her sort of the seeds of maybe a Hannah mm -hmm. I thought so character. too yeah but here's this mom who's living on her own she ends up having an affair with a cop I mean mm -hmm. okay <laughs> yes <laughs> um I thought that too but you can tell she's yeah, she's trying. She's the one they keep showing up at her door and she has to deal with people digging up her past. Mm -hmm. She starts to have this affair with the with the retired cop. Mm -hmm. And you you are like, well, did this ha was this happening before? Or is this new because he showed up and they're kind of working together? Mm -hmm. And and then, yeah, just and how she just says, uh, no, eh, I don't think this is over. You know, yeah. I love that, too. Just like just like. <laughs> Frank directness and like it just like blew his sails too because he was like so happy like <laughs> he was like bouncing off the walls like woohoo everything's great now well right? he was trying to plan a fun getaway for them I think mm -hmm. and heart was and, in the right place but head was not you know <laughs> yeah she he well he was he was so uh christian is that his name Mit, Chris, christian Chris mythic yeah he was so happy that the, the case had been solved yes this had been hanging on him for 23 years yes he felt like case closed yes. finally <laughs> i can put this and he was ready to just kind of put it behind him and, and move forward and maybe maybe she genuinely liked him but she could just tell they were in completely different places because he was yeah he was happy giddy this is great and she's like hey my daughter is still dead and you're not yeah and the killer was just found so i'm kind of thinking about that right now <laughs> yeah the killer was just found but there was also this question i don't know what i don't know if it involved her there was that whole question about was there just one person or two maybe maybe she and christian weren't involved with that with that aspect of it at all no they weren't that was just a mm -hmm. david thing at the end yeah 
so the killer was found, but not only that, but the body was found. Mm -hmm. The body was found of this of this new girl. And so that probably put her right back into the place of remembering what it was like for her when her daughter's body was found. Right. Yeah. So she wasn't happy. <laughs> she wasn't all yeah. like him. <laughs> they were just like in completely different places at that moment. And he just, yeah, he just, he just shouldn't have shown up that day. That's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, should, he should have waited a couple of days and came in tiptoeing instead yeah. of dancing like he was. I wanted to be, I wanted to be interested in um, Seneca's parents because, you know, the mom was Charlotte. But I guess one of the tropes I hate so much in these missing cases, missing children movies is when the parents, for no reason at all, mm -hmm. seem to blame each other the guy wasn't really doing that the dad wasn't really doing that but she it was almost like she blamed him because their child was missing and they they say uh in real life when that happens and your child goes missing like sometimes most marriages do not survive that sure and I, you know, so it is a true thing that happens, but also feels like it's a big movie trope where the parents turn against each other because they need somebody to blame or somebody to be mad at. But that it just seems so random that the mom was holding it so much over his head, the father's head, mm -hmm. as if it was his fault. Yeah, I guess, I guess in a way they were like, oh, you didn't listen to her that day. Or maybe if we had been, yes, yeah, if we had been better parents, they wouldn't have, she wouldn't have left and run, ran away from home that day. So it's Exactly. The whole lot of blame. Yeah. yeah. And um, I got to say, though, their story, like they had they had like a wrap up to their story, though, because you got a sense that they were, um, you know, they were touching each other. They were they had some sort of togetherness at the end there. Correct. Well, she can't. She did come back. Mm -hmm. She came back home. But I can't remember. Did something happen? There was that? it was nothing. But it was just like they hugged or something or like he touched her arm. It was just a very slight indication that, you know, that they were going to try to work through this. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe in spite of what you were saying, like how a lot of couples can't survive that because she's Charlotte Doppler. She can survive that. We know <laughs> she can. <laughs> yeah. But I think other than that, I mean, they, they made the, um, the real bad guy, which is the main bad guy, the baddest of the bad guys, Pierre, <laughs> they made him very cardboard as, as a villain. But I mean, that's, that's okay. You don't, how much nuance do you want in your, in your rapist? I don't know. Um, uh, uh, but he, yeah, so I think to me, he wasn't that interesting. Um, even even like, no. okay, you're going to grab what a paring knife to to dispose of this woman. I was I, I really did not want to see that knife go into her belly. I'm so <laughs> glad it didn't happen because I was like cringing. I didn't like it. Like I said before, that's the not cringe moment. I was like watching that scene like, yikes, I don't want to see this. And it mm -hmm. didn't happen. It's all good. Um, He fooled me, though. Did he did he fool you? That's what I want to know, because he fooled me in the middle of the movie. Timu goes to him and Pierre's like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? And Timu's like that this thing, this thing. And he was like, oh, no what hell no that will me shit and um he fooled me uh did not fool heather because before heather was out she was like yeah that guy did it so let me know who did it at the end and so like the next morning i was like yeah you were right it was that guy um did he fool you or did you not fall for it so you, you're talking you're saying that you you believed him when he said i didn't kill her mm -hmm. talking about the girl in 2010 yes mm -hmm. i believed i believed him yes eh, i could have gone either way i, I was like yes he could have done it, but it, it could also be a copycat and, you know, yeah. 
I, I don't know what what I thought. I, I mean, I, I definitely I definitely was like, I think he did it. But then he kept saying he didn't do it. Yeah. So like a sucker, I believed him. Like, <laughs> he's a good actor. I, I mean, because because he said that and I was like, OK, he's ruled out. So who is it? My main suspect was Midich. I was thinking Midich did it. Um, mm -hmm. Turns out that's not right. But, you know, I mean, in, in my opinion, Baron succeeded with that little thing there of like throwing you off his scent because it worked for me, not for Heather. Heather was immediately like, she was like, he's just lying. That's all there is to it. Um, Whatever. Mm -hmm. I, bow, I bow. She's right. I'm wrong. Um, he fooled me. I feel bad that like that jerk fooled me. I don't trust anybody anymore. <laughs> Yeah. So are the did, did any of the actors strike you as like somebody that would have done done well in the dark universe? Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Um well two in particular, Timu and David. <laughs> I think both of them would have done great. I mean I, I, cause Timu could have easily played, um, Noah and David could have easily played like maybe like an Ulrich character or something, or maybe an adult Michael. Um, yeah, uh -huh. I could, I could definitely see them like in dark roles. Yeah. It just One made me wonder why, you know, may, why they didn't cast any of these people again. Sure. I mean, we haven't seen who am I yet. So maybe some of them will show up in who they am do. I? There's but... four of them, four dark people in who am I? I mean, people from this movie. Oh, people from oh. The silence. Now that we know the dark ways, people, that's right. We can start spotting them. There's Pia. <laughs> oh my God, that's her. Uh, <laughs> who was it? There was um. Let's see. That, that led me down a, a thought path, and I think I just lost it. I did. What were we talking about, Lindsay? That can give me back on the path to say my interesting point. Yeah, we were talking about characters that might have been able to play characters in dark. Yes. Um, and then I have a third one that I'm going to say before I let you say some, um, that young blonde haired cop that looked a lot like Noah, he could have played Noah. I mean, he looked just like him. I almost thought it was Noah, uh, but then I was like, oh, there's no way because you know, he, he would have aged. <laughs> But it was like Noah's cousin or something. No. You know who I'm like young Noah, teenage teenage Noah. He didn't he wasn't on he might have been okay, but he didn't he wasn't on screen enough to convince me. It was this was gonna have been his casting call. But yeah, no, it was the same ones. Really more Timo for me than any than anybody. The David was okay. They he did well with what he had, but I felt like I kept thinking for whatever reason, Timo reminded me of Peter. Oh, he, yeah, he almost sure. looked okay. like Peter. Maybe he wouldn't have played the Peter that. role, but, you know, in fact, I think he would have been good at the Peter role. He just, he had that sort of tortured isolation yeah. feeling that, that Peter does. So that's, I just thought this guy's a really good actor. Like he really had a lot of his facial expressions really mm -hmm. communicated. I really felt like I could understand what he was feeling at any given moment. So he just, he just kind of rose above the rest of the cast to me. David, David was okay. I think he was also an interesting character with, um, but there wasn't, they didn't do enough to make it clear what, you know, he was obviously upset and grieving, but how did that impact the enthusiasm he gave the case? It it wasn't, they didn't do enough to connect the dots for me to why this case meant so much to him when his issue was that he was grieving his wife. And again, like, why are you touching this woman, your partner's belly, pregnant belly? He was just doing things that did not make sense at all to me. So it wasn't clear exactly what his, his deal was. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they describe that more in the book and maybe they just kind of use the book as like a pastiche for that. And they just kind of didn't 
make up for it in any sort of way because he has top billing this guy who plays david john has top billing um so i guess he's like mm-hmm. like the main actor or like the most popular actor of this whole lot but uh, yeah maybe they didn't spend enough time on his character to like really refine it the way they did with like timu or some others um I guess I can't, I can't disagree with you. Um, I didn't have the same thoughts, but I can't disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, and thinking about it a little further, just as a, a, for another aside, Yana, the, the cop partner could have played, um, Katarina as well. She would have been a good Katarina. Oh, and that's your favorite character. I mean, you really want to replace her? <laughs> no, I don't want to, but like <laughs> in a, in a parallel world, which we're familiar with here, she played Katarina. yeah she was she was actually in that scene when she's with pier and they're together it's she did well with that material the material itself wasn't that great but she did she did well with it and and really like you said they were mostly using her as kind of the humor Mm -hmm. to poke fun of the fact that it's like I mean, to me, that was David's main problem. I'm like, why is he making this pregnant walk yeah. and take the bus? <laughs> yeah. You're not being very an empathetic person. <laughs> All right. Filmmaking technique. What were some of the, mm-hmm. the camera angles oh, and yeah. the, the lighting choices that you noticed they used in this film? And at this point, we can go ahead and start um you know, talking about how some of those that might have been used in dark versus not. Okay, man, I got again, I, like I told you, Lindsay, I took so many notes. I'm an avid note taker. So <laughs> a lot to say here. So please don't let me keep rambling. First shot of the scene was so dark. The first shot of the movie because it had like those doors and like there was like a divide between the doors and you see like two parallels. And I felt like I was immediately going to be watching dark because the first thing we saw was a parallel scene. Then almost the next thing we see is like an overhead shot of like forest road and like the forest. <laughs> and like, I was like, I'm watching dark here. This is what's happening. Um, Cause he used those exact same. I don't know if they're crane shots. I think he mentioned that they're helicopter shots that he took. Um, whichever he's using those are those are great i mean that's the best like um transition scenes i love those transition scenes when they show like an overhead view of stuff which they do in dark all the time and they'll show like the year and stuff there i just think that's a great signature that he seems to have there's no opening credits to this movie it just starts on that door that we learn later is like pierre's apartment but there's zero opening credits to like tell you who the cast is or what the movie's called or anything just run right into it which I thought was very unusual because that's like a usually like, especially like first time directors on their first big thing will like do something wild for their opening credits or do something unusual or unique or something. <laughs> They'll not do the something. European, not the European ones. European Is that directors common? tend to be different about that. Yeah. Okay. I'm an American boy. So <laughs> I'm used to our American directors like Quentin Tarantino doing <laughs> wild intros and stuff. Um, but yeah, no intro here. Um, but yeah, I, I said a couple. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you now, Lindsay. What do you what are you noticing in this? I noticed the overhead shots too. However, I f- they are used in dark but sparingly, and there were a lot in this movie. Yes, a lot of overhead shots. I wonder if that was like Bo's favorite shot and he's learned to like pull back a little bit, like use it more sparingly to make it more special. <laughs> but yes, the transitions in the woods and the trees, the sound design is really good, yet it's very different from the sound design that Dark has. 
Sure. We know that, I mean, I'm sure you looked this up, but uh, Ben Frost did not do the music in this, but yet it had that, it had a sort of similar, you know, there were sound effects. There was this muffled sound design they kept using. That's right. One, one real notable sequence that I enjoyed that I thought, man, I wish they could have would have done more in dark, but dark is dark and don't want to compare too much or say, well, well they should have done this in dark too. But <laughs> in the scene when they're the mother, like they're the, there's the girl, Seneca, she's at the fair, the phone, the police, they keep, they're cutting back and forth between the different characters as this is going on, which mm -hmm. really heightens the tension. But the sound design in that moment was really notable as well that, you know, dark didn't really do a, the one main suspense scene we knew about in dark is when Jonas is, you know, running with his hands down at his sides to, <laughs> to, right. uh, yes. to get the golden snitch and to grab Marta. So that is the most suspense we get in a dark show. I mean, they, they build suspense in other ways where they're just like using the creepy music, but that this was, I guess they're almost what you would call like montage shots where you're, Mm -hmm. you know you're intersecting between these different people and it just builds this tension i really liked that moment and i thought this is this is good filmmaking right here and they did that a couple times when these notable moments happened that that uh, because we have our sort of ensemble cast so the movie wants to find out where everybody is at that moment that becomes so key um so yeah that's that's a couple I'll mention. That was at least four to your two. So I'm going to toss it back over to you, Steve. All right. Okay. Um, the whole concept of having the crime scene like in the same spot as it happened earlier. I mean, this is by no means a time travel thing. Um, and there was a specific reason that Pierre did it in the exact same spot. But Baron expanded on that concept with Dark where like a lot of these things happened in the same spot over multiple periods of time. Um, so that's one of my little things I wrote down that's like similar to Dark. Um, the fact that he does stuff in the 80s, that he did like a scene in the 80s is very dark and very barren. And he talked about that in the interview that I read with him, why he does stuff in the 80s. Um, the girl on the bike riding down Forest Road was so Martha, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. dark. <laughs> and then the fact that she had like a red jacket. Um, no, no, not her. Um, the 2010 girl, I forgot her name. Um, Seneca. Seneca she, um, yeah. yeah, she like had this like red sweatshirt on the back of her bike. And then it's like that for me being friends with you and like, you're introducing the concept of me about color theory and dark and maybe look at that red sweatshirt associated with the red car. Mm -hmm. Like she's getting ready to go on some not so great adventure <laughs> like it spoke very very dark to me mm -hmm. and then more dark the green hooded mystery figure about 30 minutes in yeah. i was like is that the stranger coming to <laughs> scoop up some body or something or maybe it's Helge? i don't know but yeah i was like he must love that jacket he loves that green hooded jacket maybe it's mm -hmm. baron's jacket <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um we already talked about the overhead shots, but not the the fact that there's this wheat field. Oh, that right. makes me think about more 1899 even than dark. That yeah. there's that wheat field from um that is from the past of Crestor and Tove. That to that it remind that reminded me of that part. Uh, so one of the things that was different that I really liked was they had the girl was at this Cre Seneca was at this carnival. Mm -hmm. There they did a little bit. 
you know, they did some, there's a great set pieces in dark, the, um, the, um, you know, the school and the sick Mundus and Eret Lux, the different layers and mm-hmm. the different sets. And I'm losing my dark memories already. Um, no, oh, I'm just, no. um, <laughs> what is the scientist's name? Um, the, um, Tan House? Tan House. Yeah. Tan House is, you know, his shop. Okay. But this was, it, the the car the whole fair carnival reminded me of more like Stephen Kingish or 1980s uh. the vintage retro sort of creepy position and they they have the, there's a shot where she's in front of this creepy clown mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. that seemed that was very different to me and I I you know in a good way it's like oh this isn't the kind of thing that we saw them do in dark later but you mm-hmm. you it was a reference you kind of got it what they were doing and why they might have done something like that i noticed that shot too and thought it was an unusual shot that we had never seen in dark before because like the kind of cinematography or like the filter or the can on the camera that he used when he was when he had that clown because that clown came up a couple of times when i was looking at still images of the movie that's like a popular still image of the movie is that clown as well so i don't know i guess he loved that shot for this movie but he never like went back to it again (laughs) <laughs> he never you know it didn't incorporate in the dark too much mm-hmm. yeah and just some of the lighting the way they would sit in the room they when um when oh, sure sure when timo goes to the pia's mother's house and she's feeding him pie and they're just sitting right. and it happens again when yana is sitting with pierre in his apartment they kind of do this thing where they're sitting around a coffee table with a couple chairs and it's it's got that the kind of uh, ikea <laughs> furniture <laughs> look <laughs> okay very simplistic and and minimalist but that sure you know, okay. that just that just made me so- smile too having them <laughs> sit there and you know drinking tea we're gonna drink tea or we're gonna eat this pie and it 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 seems like it's all congenial but there's all this tension under the surface sure yeah that ties in with with what he was saying in his interviews too and he was striving to go for like a rural germany and not like the city so i think mm-hmm. that's kind of part of that vibe too like oh i don't know you but yeah um sure want to come in and talk you know, it's like there that kind of vibe exists like in rural Virginia, maybe mm-hmm. rural North Carolina as well, where that that's a normal thing. Whereas if you go to like a city where people are used to kind of keeping to themselves, that'd be kind of like a weird thing. Like you want to come in? It's like, no, I'm <laughs> just <laughs> I'm just here to drop something off. Bye. <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of a d- interesting. Maybe that's how it was for Baron growing up in the 80s in Germany. Maybe that's the kind of the vibe that he's trying to go back to mm-hmm. and the the shot you mentioned about the doors i thought that reminds me of of katarina saying like it could be any anyone in this town behind that door is my son oh you know that that the, these creepy things are happening in mm-hmm. the middle of daylight when in the least the place you least expect it this happy apartment complex this man is their caretaker he's the one that oils the swing set isn't he a nice young man yeah he fixed somebody's tv just because he felt like it didn't charge him you know what a great guy peer <laughs> yeah yeah but yes the colors there was, you know, there's the red car, uh, but there was a couple of yellows. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too strong. That hadn't been really fostered completely yet. Got a couple of themes that kind of came through, which is like the tragic cop, like working through his grief. Mm-hmm. 
um, that kind of reminded me a little bit of a Egon or Ulrich, those type mm -hmm. dudes. And then like towards the end, um, what did I write here? David's talking to Alana about everlasting grief. They have like a discussion towards the end because he asks like Alana, like, does it ever get better? Is it, does it ever go away? And she's like, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You just live with it. And um, yeah, we see the possibility that's going to like continue like to torture him for the rest of his life because the last scene we see of him is like him rummaging through papers and he's like, ah, I hate it. Um, So we know he's going to be tortured for a long time, which is like a dark character. He should move into Wyndon. He'd feel he'd mm -hmm. fit right in. Yeah, the evidence room I thought looked kind of familiar. Oh, you think it might have been the same one? Yes. The it's shot possible. when the shot when he's sitting there with the headphones on, mm -hmm. listening to the recordings mm -hmm. and going and there's the metal shelves with all of the files in them and they're walking through. I was like, I'm expecting to see Ulrich making out with some person in one of these aisles. So um, he'd be making out with Jana, of course. Like she'd be pregnant, he wouldn't care. <laughs> I think the main I mentioned before this I found this I felt like this movie was uncomfortable for me and I think that gets one in, in one of the key differences so dark is about you know tra trauma it's about terrible things happening people surviving terrible things and bringing that into them maybe not healing from them and then moving going on with their life but yet carrying around this wound but for me those the there are you know these terrible things that happen but they're sort of filled in with the emotional the dominant story in dark isn't about kids getting kidnapped i mean that's that's the trigger of these events happening is these these kids get kidnapped and people are trying to erase that that wound of that happening by going back in the past and trying to change things but there's all of these you see these people that are feeling these different things and so we're our main attention is put on the, the people that we care about and we want to see them uh we want to see them be able to heal and get better whereas this movie starts with this secret and this murder and we're just put in the gaze of this of this timo character the whole time and also the fact that this the man peer is just getting away with these horrible crimes and not not uh anybody be doing anything about it and then there's the fallout of this that we're seeing so it was it was it was just bleak it was bleak but not without the focus as much of a focus or wasn't as done as well of the emotions there was glimpses of that they tried to bring that in through david yawn they tried to bring that in with christian Middick and how he's upset that he's upset that he hasn't solved this case and that's kind of hanging over his head there's this marriage uh drama going on between mm -hmm. uh charlotte doppler <laughs> seneca's <laughs> seneca's parents but those those uh themes those characters they aren't brought to front as much that's right they're kind of in the background and i feel like with dark they developed those things more and didn't ask us to be in the mind of this of this uh he's a criminal i mean he's a um accessory to a crime he watched it happen he helped carry he helped uh put the body to rest oh, yeah. so he's he's a guilty party and he didn't yeah. so but it's it's just too much in their perspective to for me yeah yeah i gotta hear that i guess um you know this is a movie too so like we don't get like the 36 hours that we got <laughs> with dark um so we have less time to get to learn these characters and i'll I wonder about this book. I wonder if this book is like 
written from like Timu's point of view the whole time. Um, I don't know. That, there was a movie because um, there was one movie in the past and I think it starred Kevin Bacon. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, there was a movie that came out that I think starred Kevin Bacon and he plays a pedophile that is in recovery. Um, anyway, I just haven't seen a movie like that in a while. Uh, I don't remember the name of the movie, but he <laughs> he's trying to, you know, move past that and he gets a he gets a girlfriend. She wants them to move in together. And he's like, that's not a good idea. And she's like, I, I think it's a great idea. So he she he has this potential of a life, but we're like, so it's almost asking you to feel sorry for this person. Hmm. Feel sorry for this for pedophiles in a way. Um I didn't get that vibe personally. Well, I mean, this is kind of moving to our question here at the that I asked later, but we can go ahead now maybe is like is it um the thing is they do this thing with like ah oh, this pedophile was lonely <laughs> so he did this crime to get his friend to come back to send a signal to his friend that okay come back okay. and come back and watch movies with me come back and hmm. and molest kids with me i miss you buddy i mean i got the vibe that he was like desperate and that he was lonely um I didn't mind him being lonely so much. Um, I guess I didn't. Uh, hmm. Yeah, my mind, my mind just kind of did not go in that direction of empathizing with them or really asking why, really necessarily. Um, I guess because like that first scene <laughs> left a lasting impression on me, and I was mm -hmm. like, I, okay, I don't really need to emphasize with these guys. Sure, okay, he's a good dad, but. I know what's up with this guy. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I, I know I was kind of surprised by that question, honestly, because I didn't feel any empathy whatsoever. Um, well, I, I mean, I haven't. You know, we're going to talk about some reviews. That's what mm -hmm. I saw a lot in reviews: people who rated the movie poorly oh. because they felt like it was too much in the perspective of a pedophile, and they that's like that's not what I I don't want that. You know, if I if there's a pet if it's a movie about a pedophile. Make the pedophile side character. I don't want to be in his perspective um, for the, the as much of the mm. movie as this was. And so that was that wasn't something I made up. It was something I saw other people say, and then it made mm -hmm. me think. Okay, did it? Is that why I felt so uncomfortable watching this movie? So I'm not, and I'm not 100 saying. I'm just asking the question: mm -hmm. Is it? Um, is it like asking us to empathize with pedophiles, or is it just like? Hey, there's people like this out there, but um, why make one of them so innocent? You know, like, you know, we, we're not exonerating him, but yeah, it kind of makes him out to be a victim almost like he's crying. He commits suicide because he just can't take, mm. he can't take this guilt of what he's done and, and he's so ashamed of it. So of course, because he's a human being, we're like, this is a tortured soul. We recognize that. Um, so yeah. Those are just just some thoughts. I mean, I'm not saying it does ask us to empathize. Oh, sure. It just it's just a, it's just a question, Steve. <laughs> thoughts are good. Yeah. Um, thoughts are not bad. Um, I think from like the first scene of the movie to the last scene of the movie, we're seeing like that door that's just like an innocuous door, just anybody who's random apartment door, and we know who's living behind there. So I kind of think that that's where this movie's coming from. It's like, you know, danger and evil can lurk anywhere in any smiling face behind any door. Mm -hmm. So that's what I took from Pierre. 
Now from Timu, I saw him as a different character and a question that I kind of posed to you, um, just hypothetically was mm -hmm. like, you know, who do you think is the more evil of the two? Um, mm -hmm. because I thought Timu was just as bad. I didn't think the fact that he actually didn't do anything, didn't exonerate him. I think it just kind of made him, um, more of a follower, more cowardly, maybe worse in that respect um because he does have like you know he's got he pretends to lead a normal life um where you know pierre doesn't really pretend to lead a normal life he pretends to be a normal guy but he doesn't pretend to be like a family man and like have children he's not like out there like babysitting or anything um he's just another guy that lives by himself i've i've seen a hundred of those guys in my neighborhood <laughs> i'm suspicious of them all now um, but then there's even more guys out there that have a wife and kids and are living a life. And like, it's just, I think that's like, kind of like the point I got from this movie is like evil can lurk in either way. Like it mm. just because Timu didn't do anything and seems fine. We learn later on that, you know, he's been like looking at these movies all along and into it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that, but that was kind of my, my yeah. where I came from. That's where I thought Timu was like, maybe he's supposed to be like some kind of like a balancing wheel we're supposed to put against Pier, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I would say for me, like Pier is definitely the worst of the two is the, mm -hmm. because he doesn't feel any remorse, doesn't seem to feel any remorse right. for his crimes, but yeah. at least Timo does. That's and true. Yeah. Does the, yeah. Again. But despite like, remorse, he continues doing it. So it's like, who's yeah. worse? <laughs> he's well, yeah. I mean, he's watching, he's watching the movies. He's, but I mean, perhaps, you know, does he, does he kill himself because he wants to make sure he doesn't um, feel tempted to do anything like Pierre does one day? Oh. Like he's worried that he hmm. will. Um, but he, you know, that there's the scene when he's in the swing set, right? Well, there's, he's on the swing set several times, but there's the one where he comes back. And the little boy comes to sit next to him and he says, like, he's like, hey, let's have a contest to see who can swing the highest. And Timo looks kind of amused and eventually he decides to do it. But his his mind is somewhere else. But he's not thinking, I wish I could. You could tell he's not thinking, I wish I could molest this kid. You know, like he, that is not where his mind is at all. Right. That's true. Um, maybe maybe it's because he's more into the young girls i don't know but it's not it's not like on his it's not on his mind all the time i want to do things to kids like right. that's not where that's his mind true. was he was more upset about um because at that moment i feel like that was right before he went over to pia's mother's house to he wanted to maybe go talk to her and he ends up going to her house to like i guess he really wants to check in on her and be able to tell her he's sorry um, so he keeps asking questions about her daughter until she tells him that my daughter is dead so he can say, I'm sorry, you know, so that he can tell her I'm sorry, even though, yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to turn himself in. He's not going to, he's not going to, he's not sure, that sorry. Okay. But, but he is sorry enough to go apologize to the person that he directly affected yeah. and then go off himself. So yeah, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying there. I didn't make that connection, honestly. I've just kind of watched the trail of events. But yeah, that bringing that back around that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And the way he did like the thing, like he like out he pulled up to like the water in his car, and I'm like, oh no, he's gonna do it. And he puts it in reverse and starts driving off. I'm like, oh, he didn't do it. And it's like, oh, he did it. And like <laughs> I like that fake. I like that fake out. That like um that little moment of fake out because I was like, oh, he's not gonna do it. He's fine, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was like, I was wondering, I I didn't remember. Well, I I, I don't think the Wikipedia even said because I do read. I read the Wikipedia um, as I was just preparing for this, but um, I didn't remember how he killed himself. And so I was like, is he going to drown himself? Because that's a really hard, difficult way to kill yourself. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you can hold your nose. <laughs> you know so he ends up you know driving off the bridge later but yeah i was i was like he's gonna kill he's gonna kill himself now no he's going home no nope, he's <laughs> driving off the bridge <laughs> um, yeah it was a real like sport moment there it's like oh my god he's going for it the underwater scene was pretty cool i bet that was hard to film um but that was a neat um shot that i bet they had a lot of fun filming i didn't see anything about that i was hoping i could read some stuff about that or see something nothing but the shot itself was neat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, did you want to, you know, you had, um, we have a couple more questions, mm -hmm. but you had mentioned you had more connections to dark. Do you just want to read, you know, do you want to read through your list? We, I think we already touched on all of them. The other things we haven't touched on was um, the cop, Jana. Of course, there's a character named Jana in dark. Um, Pierre's real name is Ulrich. So that's interesting that, you know, Ulrich, we all love him. Mm -hmm. um i think those are the only two everything else charlotte doppler we already mentioned that the colors the girl on the bike the cornfield the 80s the overhead shots the door the opposites i mean <laughs> there's a lot of them uh, we yeah. there's really there's really nothing there's really no like wham bam i'm gonna hit you with right now that's gonna blow your mind so <laughs> that's pretty much all of them <laughs> yeah the cop the cop that did, never solved the case we already kind of talked about that right anybody in the oh. chat get anything that we didn't Come on now. I haven't seen any chatting since we've Harrison got, left. Yeah, we've got one person watching. I don't know who it is. Hello. But hello, person. Could it's be my, my mother. It's, <laughs> I know it's my I'm mom. Sick. Okay, so let's talk about the title. The question you had asked the question, why is the movie called The Silence? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do Good I get question. to answer that? <laughs> yeah, I want to hear your answer. Um, okay. I cheated. This is the actual answer. <laughs> what you found like you found Bo's answer online well yes because <laughs> i already had like my own idea of what the what the answer was my idea of what the silence was was um the silence between timu and pier like we never really saw them talking a whole lot um but like there was evil stuff that was happening between them so i kind of thought like their vibe was the silence um, before I tell you what Baron says, the silence is, well, <laughs> what is your opinion of the silence? Well, you know, first I was like, okay, but is it the last silence? But since she said that he only did that because he wanted to add a word. That's right. Maybe, That's right. maybe it doesn't count. I it don't know. Count. There was, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a moment in the movie where, and it might've been when he drives off the bridge or when he's about to drive off the bridge where um, like when he's in the water and everything goes silent or there's, I don't know, there's a moment during the movie when it, when the, everything went silent. And so I was thinking about that kind of the moment before you make this choice um, or maybe because another thought I had was that because, um, because Timo said nothing about, you know, he didn't confess this crime to anybody or tell anybody about this, that he knows who this murderer was like in his silence, he's complicit in, 
and that's his crime is his silence. So the silence. So those were a couple of ideas I had. Well, that last one was exactly what Baron said. The silence is um, Timu. The silence is um, Timu cannot talk about what he's done. Um, and he watches what um, Pierre does in silence, lives his life in silence. And at the end of the movie, he ends his silence by killing himself. So that mm -hmm. you're exactly right. That's what Baron said is the silence refers to, to Timu and his in his particular silence. Mm -hmm. Maybe the person is Baron Bo Odar because I invited him to our event. Oh, yeah. It's got to yeah. be him. Yeah, I called his agent earlier, too, and was like, make sure to get him on the horn. <laughs> of course, did I share the old event like 12 oh, events ago? Darn it. Oh, oh Baron's over okay. there like, where's Lindsay? <laughs> um okay so we we kind of talked about this already but feelings while watching the movie i told you i felt uncomfortable and gross mm -hmm. and like mm, mm -hmm. don't want to think about this how did you feel about it steve and how did you feel about the ending because we can talk about that next. okay yeah i felt uncomfortable and gross too <laughs> as well i mean that's that's the vibe um yeah, uncomfort. Um, yeah, like I said, there was really nothing that like really drew me in. There's like no focal point that's like, you know, really captivating me. So yeah, it was it wasn't kind of an uncomfortable watch. Um, that was what Baron's intention. That's why he wanted to film it in the heat, was not just to make was also to make his characters uncomfortable, but he said that he um intentionally made the scenes with two people being still talking to each other. There's very few scenes where action is happening. There's like a girl riding a bike at some point, etc. But the meat of the story is just two people talking to each other, not moving. And that was deliberate as well. Um, so I think he wanted us to kind of feel that way. <laughs> just kind of stifled and uncomfortable. For sure. Let's see. I got one uh, more thing ending. I wanted to say about Timu. Did you say oh, that? Um, How did you feel about the ending? Oh, okay. Are we on a delay? You got me? I, I heard I heard you uh, say you have one more thing you want to say about Timo. Okay, yeah. When he was hanging out with his family at the pool and he does like the fake phone call thing so he can like go back in the house and like pretend he got a phone call so he can get away from the family and go do something else. That was so stupid. Mm. <laughs> like there was no reason to do that. All he had to do was just get up and go. But he had to like make some phony <laughs> excuse to do it. I thought that was like, it was funny, but it was also like his character is like a conniving kind of guy that like can't do anything of his own free will. He's got to have some motive. So, but I thought that was a very funny moment. It made me chuckle. Mm -hmm. The ending of this thing. Let's see. Um, Let's say what it is first. Huh? What? I said, maybe we should say what the ending is first. Yeah, you were asking me what I thought about the ending, so I was going to tell you that. Yeah. May I? Hmm. Yes, you can, but I was just like, <laughs> for our viewers, our one viewer, uh, maybe we should say what the ending is before we oh. say how we felt about it. Sure, yeah. Do you have that, or should I should I wrap that up? <laughs> um, I, I can briefly do it. So, after the guy com commits suicide, uh, Timo kills himself, drives off the bridge, and later on, his buddy, Pierre finds out in a newspaper article and from the woman that lives in his apartment complex that's always yep. after him to um, oil <laughs> the swing. <laughs> They're talking about the fact that um, that this man, you know, killed himself, drove off the bridge, who was a child, a child murderer, and suppo supposedly the person that did this case, 20, you know, these killings. And, and Pierre just walks home and he's contemplating the loss of his friend, apparently. So mm -hmm. it's very, very open-ended, not much of a resolution, especially because we'd love to see Pierre come to some justice, but it's clear mm -hmm. that that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Oh, and they show like, oh, here's where the red car 
is that we've been looking for, yeah. which um, was kind of the missing piece is that uh, he was driving around in this woman's car. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's also the, the, the thread of David who figures out the fact that there is another um, mm. perpetrator yeah. and everybody just ignores him. He ends up like attacking his officer. So he gets suspended. So of course that doesn't help the case. And then Jana like crosses uh, Piers' name off the list. So Piers gotten away with it. So the mm -hmm. last scene you see is like the Piers door. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like it was a creepy, creepy cool ending where it's like, yeah, this guy completely got away with it um, because of you know the police officer's actions and you know uh, Timu like not giving him up. He's he's free to do whatever he wants to do. Um, I, I don't like that <laughs> for Pierre, but he's a <laughs> fictional character. So like, it's kind of like a neat ending to the story. And um, I don't know. I, I thought the ending was okay. Um, I liked that Timu ended his silence and the fact that it, his silence has ended now. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't feel bad about the ending. I, I, I wouldn't say it was like a completely rewarding ending, but it definitely had an ending. I mean, I can say that I've seen movies mm -hmm. that have zero ending. <laughs> this one, definitely all the characters had some kind of moment to show you that, you know, what's going to happen with the rest of their lives, some sort of indication. So I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was an interesting ending. It was, but it wasn't very satisfying. Hmm. People, I think people make an issue about the fact that the ending of Dark is in some ways, it's not a perfect ending. It's not like a happy ending, happily ever after ending because right. so many of our characters disappear, but yet the dinner table ending is so satisfying in mm -hmm. a way, in its own way, because yeah. we get to see kind of resolution that some characters, there are some characters that are still existing, the ones that were not in the loop. And then, of course, there's this hint that maybe there could be a little baby <laughs> Jonas coming into the world after after all, that his traces mm -hmm. just couldn't be erased. So it's it's very intriguing and kind of yeah. So this this ending I felt had a lot of those similar component components, except for I really don't like the fact that it kind of yeah, it makes this thing about Pierre looking at his newspaper article and he's kind of like you, know, you could tell his affectation is kind of hmm, yeah, it's too bad, you know. I mean, this guy's just completely getting away with everything and his tortured friend that he sort of drug into this, mm -hmm. um, not unwillingly, but still he definitely put on the pressure to keep him in that in that thing is that, you know, he killed himself. And yes, there's an ending to his story, his silence one way or another. But again, it's like, uh, it's not the ending I would have liked for him either. So it, it's intriguing, but not necessarily satisfying. We, like you said, we do know where everybody is, uh, you know, and David Yan just getting, getting ignored. Now it did seem like, it did seem like Yana still liked him a lot because she's giving him a hug to, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she liked the fact that he punched his boss. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so maybe it's, maybe the beginning of, of their real love story. Who knows? But it was an well, interesting. I, hope not. I think she has a husband. Yeah. <laughs> you do? 
right? Doesn't she? I Why? mean, we never, I don't know. Just it's because she's pregnant? <laughs> traditional. Doesn't she have a husband? I don't know. I just, I didn't uh, get the, I didn't get the impression. You sweet little, you sweet child. <laughs> I just didn't get the impression that she was single for whatever reason. I don't know why. I just, that's just the vibe that I got. It's a vibe, Lindsay. You know, I, I yeah. live off vibes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you want, I, I got the feeling that, of course, yeah, maybe if he was into her, he wouldn't make her walk so much. But I thought yeah, that was obviously. sort of, I thought that was sort of hinted at it that he was touching her belly. I thought he was sort of, um, yeah. I took that as different. I took that as like part of his grieving process, how he's never been able to grieve. And he's like, there's life inside of her belly and inside me is nothing. So... Hmm. And here's a chance that I can actually like maybe feel that life while she's sleeping. It's creepy. Sure. But I don't think it was like anything beyond just being a lonely creep that was not trying to do anything other than there's life in there. Wow. That's, that's what I took from it. Well, that's very, that's very sweet. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm a fool. I'm easily fooled. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some reviews, reviews of the movie. So I asked you to come up with some critic reviews for us. Sure. What'd you find? Oh, there's some good stuff. Um, let's see. The Guardian did a review of this. Peter Bradshaw. Um, favorable review. This icy, gripping police procedural thriller is easy to recommend for fans of the killing and indeed for anyone else too. And I believe that is like one of the pull quotes because um, I saw somebody complaining like uh, they said that if I liked the killing, I'd like this movie and I didn't like this movie. <laughs> so I believe that this this was one of the pull quotes. Uh, Washington Post. This is one of the lukewarm reviews. Um, it says this is film noir at its noiriest. I thought that was funny. So I had to bring it up. <laughs> Um, the Frankfurt Book Fair um, <laughs> Festival Award. They, he won that award. This, these are the awards that this movie has won. The Special okay. Jury Award at the Bun at the Bune Film Festival 2011. Best Adaption Award at the Frankfurt Book Fair 2010. And this is what they said about it. An extremely disturbing and compact film version, which with great subtlety interrelates the stories of perpetrators and victims. Okay. Um, <laughs> not too thought provoking, but um, they also won the audience award for the German thriller award. It was nominated for the German Films Critic Award, nominated for the European Pre Award in 2011, Variety's top 10 directors to watch. And we've watched them. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a couple of bad reviews I saw. Um, I only, there was only one, one star review, which I was shocked by. Um, and this person said, it's really boring. Three <laughs> exclamation points. <laughs> this story could be more interesting, but it's so very slow and boring. I just wasted my time. That's what Jer Jarak 89 said. Um, then we got a two star review here from George Dyson, and he's a little more succinct with his words. Um, not succinct. He's a little more um, verbose with his words. He's the exact opposite. Um, and this is kind of what me and Heather were saying. This is this parallels with us. George says this movie was so slow paced that I struggled to stay awake and then finally succumbed to sleep after waking up and replaying it. I fell asleep again. The direction of this movie is poor with all sorts of arty shots that could have well been edited out. Far too arty and far too boring. A murder film needs to be faster paced with actual developments occurring. Oh, here we go. It says on the DVD that if I like the killing, I would like this. Nothing. 
could have been further from the truth. Do not waste your time with this disaster, George Dyson. So did you waste your time with this disaster, Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I assigned myself to do find some letterbox reviews, which okay. are I was IMDb. fun. That was IMDb. So okay, yeah. yeah, it's great. So um, this is a really good review. The 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 letterbox community votes out of five stars. This is a four and a half star review. And it says that The Silence is uh, a quite outstanding film <laughs> that manages to be several things at once while excelling at all of them. In fact, the only thing is struggles with throughout is regards to Sebastian Blomberg's grieving detective. I think this was um, David Yon. Sebastian Blomberg is his name, who has only just returned to work after the death of his wife several months previously. That has nothing to do with Blomberg's performance here, which is very good, more the rather stereotypically tortured cop treatment of his character. Even so, I can see why such a character is here and why he's given such an arc. The silence is perhaps less about the murder of two girls and more about tortured souls and the different ways in which they try to deal with their torment. Blomberg would be a considerably less interesting and appropriate central character, perhaps, if he was just another cop. It's a real double-edged sword of a character. That extra edge makes his investigations all the more believable, yet at the same time, the character is a flawed one. And this is a very long review. Um, so it fits, it's, it fits in with our long lives. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite rare for, I'm going to skip part of it. It's quite rare for a film such as this to have so many integral characters and yet manage to not only keep them visible for long enough so that they don't become superfluous, but actually make them important parts of the story. There are at least 10 main characters in the silence, and yet it could barely afford to lose any of them. While it's busy keeping us guessing with its central mystery, it's also telling stories of depths of grief, loneliness, and the effects of these crimes on just about everyone. And they think it's interesting. They started with the antagonist, and that, um, yeah. So that's a very, very favorable review. I'm trying to find a bad review here. Okay, one and a half stars by Presto Bix. I was tempted to rate this as decent, but upon reflection, I just don't see the point of the film. It's certainly not fun, and it's essentially never thrilling. It takes <laughs> itself seriously, too seriously, in fact. But if it's going to be a serious film, then it has to expect us to engage with it seriously. And it's just not going to hold up to any scrutiny. The plotting is just obviously nothing special and even a bit muddled in the first half as you figure out these characters. But I could understand putting that on the back burner if you wanted to give focus to characterization. However, they mostly skip that entirely. These people are skin deep caricatures of whatever negative trauma they are feeling, whether it be grief or remorse. It's meant to be unflinching but the film doesn't prove itself as a serious one. <laughs> Let's all take a drink every time they say serious. <laughs> it doesn't prove itself as a serious one by depicting troubling events without looking away. It proves itself as serious by exposing the emotions these events stir up with the incisive nuance. Okay, I said the word serious far too many times in this review. I should <laughs> find Okay, so let me find a middling one. Uh, okay. by Luke Gahant. Okay. Based on the German crime fiction novel, the same name. See what I did there? He mentioned mm -hmm. the book. Um, <laughs> based on the German crime fiction novel, of the same name by Jan Kostenwagner, his sophomore effort. 
This hits extraordinarily hard as the picture begins with the crime as it occurs in 1986 and then fast forwards to 20 years later, actually 23, Luke, um, but uh, where the raw anguish is still present to all the people who were involved. The mother of the victim who hasn't moved on, the detective who failed to solve the crime, and in this instance, one of the witnesses of the event who failed to act appropriately. Oh, he calls him a witness. <clears throat> I guess that's fair. It's this blunt oh, reality wow. that we witness in a copycat crime on the anniversary where another young girl goes missing. There's also a newer detective who gets shuffled into the investigation who's grieving his own loss, which adds to this. Both his strange behaviors, which appear to spook the others, and the maneuvers he takes to get to the truth of the case. It's a disturbing and spellbinding look at a criminal mind and the actions that law enforcement takes to solve the case. In a certain respect, I see this mirroring some of the best aspects of George Slusser's 1988 film, The Vanishing. Mm -hmm. This is a solid thriller that is well worth seeking out. Edit. I would also easily see adding this to the roster of LTBX's most overlooked films of the 21st century as this has clearly fallen between the cracks. So even though that's a three out of five star review, it sounds pretty complimentary. Yeah, it does. And maybe they save their fours and fives for like the out of the mm -hmm. out of the park stuff, you know? Yeah. So it was interesting that I liked, I would have liked to find more variety. I didn't, the, the one star review I found needs some help with expressing, um, you know, him or herself better. Um, <laughs> but I don't because I there's many things you could say or plot about this movie, but just that it about how the seriousness. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But it's interesting to see how people regard this. And it's not nobody really except for that one star person. Nobody really says that. Oh, well, in the boring, the boring review. There was some, yeah. there were some other one star reviews. People don't like sometimes people don't like slow things they deem as slow. Right. Not a lot of stuff happening. Especially like in our fast paced society now, you know? <laughs> we get the TikToks. <laughs> yeah. So, did you have any other topics you wanted to cover about this movie, Steve? Because I think that kind of wraps it up for me. It does. We're at the two hour mark. But, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the number 23 because, okay. you know, Baron loves to talk about 33 and loves to talk about numerology within Dark. Um, so I, I just thought I'd look at what 23 might represent. Um, it's the atomic number of vanadium. I don't know what that is. This is interesting. The normal human sex cell has 23 chromosomes. Um, that could have something to do with something. The Earth's axis is tilted at 23 degrees. In biblical numerology, it's associated with Palm 23 or Psalm 23, you might want to say. Also known as the Shepherd Psalm. Um, the Quran uh, Muhammad lives to be 23 years old. So, you know, nothing really standing out here, but I, I just had to look up that number because I was like, why didn't they choose 33? Like, dark. Maybe there's mm -hmm. a reason they chose 23. Is because of Jim Carrey? <laughs> Is the number 23 that movie? <laughs> Remember that one? That was not very good. Um, I don't know, but I just thought I'd check it out anyway. Well, here's an interesting <laughs> thought, Steve. Okay. And okay, so they the movie is set during 1986, right? It, that's where it starts. 1986. And this movie came out uh in I think you said originally it was um 2000 2010. Most of the awards are um, 2011 awards. Right, but uh don't fact fact check me, Steve. I mean, I'm saying that the actual 2010, yes. The published <laughs> the, the published release date on IMDb is 2010. Correct. And so it's 20 in the movie it's 
2009. So the movie came out or the movie is set one year before it was it was coming out. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, follow along with me here. <laughs> I am. I am. OK, so um, 23. So then it's 23 years later. So they wanted to set it during this year or like, you know, it's now. Right. OK. OK. So then Dart is 33 years. And we know there's a lot of 33 significances in actuality and the 33 mm -hmm. and a half year site or 33 and a third year cycle or something. But it came out um, in the movie when the movie when the series begins it's 2019 but the show comes out in 2018 so um what i'm saying to you i'm catching it as i feel like the common denominator here is 1986 they must really love that year and so they want but they want whatever they're making to be like it's now um so the movie is set like a year off from maybe but so i think that's 23 and when Dark came out, it was basically 10 years after this movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's 33. So I think 1986 is what they love. Yeah, that would make sense. He was born in 1978. And that would make him like pre-adolescence then. So mm -hmm. he, he that's what he says in that interview too. Like the 80s were a time of like innocence to him, even though there was all this crazy stuff happening. Like he was completely free and innocent. I guess he was eight years old at that time. Um, 86 was a great year for me. I was older. I was 14, mm -hmm. but I mean, heck yes, it's a great year to do stuff. And I, I mean, a great year to like set movies and it's, um, it helps too with technology. <laughs> if you want to set a movie, um, cell phones are going to ruin your movie. So you got to set it back in the eighties. So that's kind of like a common trope that people do is like set the movie back in the eighties because mm -hmm. then it erases those problems of social media and phones in our culture yeah like my explanation probably took a long time to get for me to get to what my point was but no no yes, I mean, I, was... my friend my friend um and i have a friend chris that says like he's uh two years younger than me two years older than me he says 1986 is the greatest year of all time like to him that was like he remembers that being peak life is 1986 yeah. and i think a lot of the best some of like like you mentioned a lot of the best movies the movies that we like value and think were awesome came out in 1986. Um, so I don't know what the, I can't remember what the, off the top of my head, but it was a great year for movies. So I think, um, I think that's why they picked it. It wasn't 23. And if, um, yeah. Why did they pick yeah. 33? Because it was 33 years after 1986. So and you can like reverse engineer your reasons. Yeah. That yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. So maybe when um, <laughs> something is killing the children comes out in 2030, <laughs> Um, it'll be 43 years later. It won't be oh, the significant. Don't say that. I always throw those things in there just to upset you, Steve, just to get a slight rise out of you. I am upset. You did it. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to podcast next? I don't know because they won't tell us. Okay. Well, I think we're we're done here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. This is yeah. This is probably a little long for for a live, uh, especially for our first live. But this is. This is what happens when Steve and I get on the mic together. We have to go two hours. It just somehow happens that way. Mm -hmm. But um, Steve, like you have the potential to to seize a brand new audience here. So, you know, do you want to tell people how they can find you? Oh, definitely. If you're here on Facebook, look up Steve Barnes. That's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> for real. Um, my band is Introvoid. I have a social media presence, mostly on Instagram and Spotify. You can find me on Facebook, but not really. Um, so Introvoid is the band, and Lindsay has 
joined me to do vocals for one of our songs that we're going to release March 1st. Um, it's in the woods somewhere. And I would like you to find that at Introvoid. The uh, official website is a link tree. So it's like, you know, link tree slash Introvoid. <clears throat> um, Sweet Shot of Time is our podcast. And Lindsay has been on that maybe more than anybody else. I don't know. It's possible. Um, either you or James might be tied for like the it most episodes. <laughs> I, I really don't know because we did a lot of episodes of Dark together. Um, mm -hmm. Sweet Child of Time is the podcast and that's on Instagram as well. It's Sweet Child of Time pod. And um, I invite you to listen to that. We have a lot of fun on there. Um, and Lindsay's got a lot of stuff too over there. One of my stories. If you're here on Facebook, then you're already <laughs> on Lindsay Dunn's site, right? You're, so they're already on your page. <laughs> So well, it's this like, is a public. It's a public event, so I don't. I have no idea who it is. It might be. Yes, it might be somebody of my of my friend circle. Um, but yes, yeah, so you Facebook Lindsay Dunn. However, I don't. I only accept friend requests of actual friends. So uh, ah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find my content at one of my stories .com. That's the number one of my stories .com. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky at one of my stories also the my podcast is one of my stories so uh probably we will try if we can figure out how to download this huge video we will do that strip the sound and release it as a podcast on our respective channels so look for that um yes with like steve he meant he mentioned the link tree it has a lot of stuff so uh if you're Go look for Steve. I do recommend Instagram and go to his link in the bio because that'll get you to all of his of his potential channels. I keep I keep telling myself I need to set up a link tree so that I can mm -hmm. do the same thing because now I have Spotify, I have SoundCloud. There's different ways you can find me. So I should well, probably collect all those somewhere. I disagree. You have a website. You have the website oneofmystories.com, correct? Mm-hmm. In my yes. mind, I'm like, I need to get off Linktree and get that. I need to get a website. <laughs> and you're saying I need to get on Linktree. We should just trade. <laughs> both. I should do do both. Um, but Linktree is free and easy. It's an app you yeah. can download and you can have yourself set up in 30 minutes, Lindsay. I know you can do it. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Well, that that's great. Then we've 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 told you how to find us and uh what we what I would like to do. What I will tell, you know, besides we're going to release our song uh, in the woods somewhere, we're going to maybe release some other songs too, but coming, we will try to do another live. The next live we would do would, it, unless we do, we might do it about something else too, but, but connected to this material. We, I also want to do this for the movie, Who Am I? Which is their second movie, Baron mm -hmm. and Yancha's second movie. So let's plan on doing that. Maybe I can figure out StreamYard better and I'll have even more bells and whistles for everybody <laughs> um, and be able to post it in the group, which is ideally what I wanted to do. Although this, this hasn't been bad. Yeah, um, great. No weirdos signed on. Uh, Except no, for Harrison. No creepy, no creepy, people, no creepy people. Except for Harrison. <laughs> And that Steve, one person right there. Who's that? You're creepy. Steve, you can't you, you can't pick on my friends that you haven't met before. I know I'm I can pick terrible on at doing that. I pick on James's mom and I've never met her before. So it's, oh I'm really bad about that. I'm sorry. I'm a fool. I keep telling you I'm a fool, Lindsay. You don't believe me, but 
I keep proving it more and more every day. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you making me um, part of this. And mm -hmm. thank you once more, Lindsay. I couldn't do it without you. I couldn't do it without you. I don't talk about. You could. I couldn't talk about uh, <laughs> Baron and, and like Bo and Yancha stuff without you. So, okay. Well, good night, everybody. Whether you listen five minutes or 50 minutes, we appreciate you being with us here today and have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye.